Tonight's episode is brought to you by Studio. We've been using these earphones for about a week now, and I can honestly say I love them. I'm using them right now. I use them when I am working, when I'm walking, all the time. The wireless uh, Bluetooth capabilities are unbelievable. The sound blew me away. Um, I really didn't know what to expect when we got them, but I've been pleasantly surprised. How are you guys enjoying yours? I love them. I love how they block so much of the sound out, so all you hear is the good stuff. I love them. My, that's my favorite part of it. Uh, my favorite aspect too, Julia, is the soundproof. Like, totally blocks out the world. Sarah has to come and literally hit me in the shoulder if she wants to get my attention. And I'm, we're not just saying this. I did when they sponsored us and asked us to review their earphones. I did tell them we would be honest. So um, I'm pleasantly surprised. They've become my uh, primary go to day to day earphones, and I'm using the Regent. Um, you can get earbuds, over the ear sports. Um, exercise ear, earbuds. They have quite a few options. If you visit Studio, S-U-D-I-O, studiosweden.com, and go ahead and use the promo code TISTHEPOD to get 15% off and free international shipping. On to the show. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Hey there, and welcome to this episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast dedicated to keeping the Christmas spirit alive 365 days a year. I'm Julia. I'm I'm Tom. (laughs) You're just doing that on purpose, weren't you? I was. I was. (laughs) Guys, Christmas is so close, I can't help it. I'm feeling giddy. It's another week of the podcast, and it's, guys, like, Christmas is, like, right around the corner. Like, right around the corner. One week. Can you believe it's episode 19 already, by the way? Can you believe we've been doing it that long? I No, it does not feel like it at all. And you know what? I'm really happy we're doing it because it it has made the time speed up so fast for me to Christmas, that once we get past Christmas, the whole next year is going to zip by and it'll be Christmas again before we know it. Right. It'll, it's like, I hope so. I'm glad that it will. So what else makes time speed up is movies like the one we're talking about today. Um, I'm just going to come out real fast and just thank Anthony for adding this movie to the list because I think he was the only one that saw it prior to. So with that, You're thank welcome. you, Anthony. You're very welcome. (laughs) Since you know it the best, will you give us a plot synopsis for people who have not seen it? Sure thing. It's a week before Christmas and Mrs. Claus is feeling unappreciated when Santa Claus refuses to look over her new route for distributing presents. She goes for a test drive on the sleigh but lands in New York City due to horrid weather injuring her reindeer. While she is incognito as Mrs. North, she befriends neighborhood inhabitants and helps them resolve some of their own issues which run the gamut from worker abuse, the suffrage movement, and unrequited love. Thanks, Anthony. 
Good synopsis, Julia. Oh, thank Google really came through on this one. (laughs) (laughs) So we've got some exciting news tonight because we have an exciting person on the phone with us. It's Mark Saltzman. He was a screenwriter for the movie we are talking about this week that I'm super excited to talk about, Mrs. Santa Claus. Mark, thank you so much for coming on with us. Uh, Glad to be here. Now, Mark, for our uh, listeners, can you just give a brief overview of your career and how you got into the industry? Oh, boy, how I got in. <laughs> it's so <laughs> long ago. I'm pretty old now. I got to reach for this one. And then I got to remember what I made up and what's true and, you know, stuff to start telling the truth. Um, really, I, I, I rolled out of uh, uh, the Cornell English and Theater Department in the 70s. Uh, into Manhattan where I always dreamed of living and uh, uh, I had an English degree and I had the ability to play piano and what do you think I got worth doing? (laughs) Uh, So I was a I was an audition pianist and uh, playing in cabarets and uh, doing that kind of knock around Manhattan edges of showbiz thing and uh, and the first the first place I kind of got over the wall was uh, um, a, my name is Alice, which was a feminist review, in fact, you know, since we're talking about that. And uh, I got a few songs in there. And um, one thing led to another uh, to uh, uh, Sesame Street was kind of my first big time TV assignment. And uh, that came through one of the performers in A, my name is Alice, uh, the, the late, great Elena Reed. And uh, she was a, a regular on Sesame Street in that era. And she opened the door for me. And I kind of kept my tent pitched in family entertainment from then on. And uh, that eventually led to Mrs. Santa Claus. So uh, speaking of Mrs. Santa Claus, how did this story come about? And how did you get involved uh, uh, with this film? It was Broadway video, uh, of all places, uh, Saturday Night Live. And Jerry Herman, at that point in his career, wanted to do a TV musical and uh, went to the people who did TV. And uh, he didn't really have an idea. He just wanted to do something. You know, I just thought, well, what's a Jerry Herman musical? It's kind of a big lady star kind of vehicle and it's name and it's Dolly. And, and I did have the feeling that a holiday musical would be something that really would get made. And, um, and I, you know, I said, well, what about Mrs. Santa Claus who seemed like the most Jerry Herman ish character in the uh, Christmas pantheon. And uh, uh, he loved it. And I think right then and there, we had said Angela Lansbury because she was, a major TV star at that time. She was on Murder, She Wrote. And uh, and we started com- coming up with what the storyline would be and uh, where the songs would go. And I was euphoric. I'm writing a musical with Jerry Herman. How much better can it be? That's pretty amazing. And knowing that you're going to get Angela Lansbury, I mean, oh, yeah, we, we You know, that was the hope. And then there was the presentation for her and she um she liked it and she was doing some uh kind of extracurricular tv movies at cbs at the time so we kind of jumped on that and uh and then it you know star power it it kind of um 
rammed right through the system because of uh, Angela's interest. So call me and call me Angie, she said, and I never could pull myself together to do that. Wow. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I, uh, I would be really intimidated to do that. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, I was just getting past calling her, you know, your grace or your excellency. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I might have been getting to Miss Lansbury and uh, she called me Angie. Uh, uh, she's pretty wonderful. So on, on this film, did you work pretty closely with the cast and crew? Were you there during the day-to-day filming? I was, yeah. I mean, one thing, it was just such a dream come true. I didn't want to miss a second of this. And I really wanted to be there while the musical numbers were, were being shot, um, just to see how this is done. And, and you know, our, um, our choreographer was Rob Marshall, who was doing his first first work on film on this. I mean, he'd never been on a, on a movie set. Can you imagine? And, but he was a top Broadway choreographer. So, uh, you know, just the, the education of seeing how does somebody like that work? How do you create a dance for the camera? All this was endlessly fascinating. I, I don't remember a lot of kind of rewriting. I mean, maybe there was a line here and there and, uh, but I, I don't recall that it was one of those, you know, crazy shoots where every day new pages are flying in. It, was, it, it wasn't that. Um, you, one thing is you're not going to change lyrics when you're shooting. You know, I mean, everything's right. pre-taped anyway. So you figure, I don't know, 65% is, is a lock when, when you start shooting. And, um, and maybe there was some scrambling around for a line here and there. Um, remember, we were, we were shooting in the summer in an L.A. back lot, uh, and there might have been some things that we just couldn't achieve with snow and, uh, uh, you know, kind of had to, to rethink it on the spot. But it wasn't, um, it wasn't a crazy show. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, staying up at 2 in the morning to write new pages and slip them in in the morning. None of that on this one. Now, we've, we, when we were researching the film, we saw that uh, back in 2004, Playbill had reported that you and Jerry Herman were working on adapting this for the stage. Uh, what happened to that project? It's, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem to die completely. It just keeps sort of changing, um, changing venues. That uh, uh, one, one of the things, to be frank, uh, you can imagine how expensive this would be as a stage show. You know, even whittling it down, it's uh, there's a, a lot of kids. There's effect, people are going to expect this sled to fly at the end, so it kind of left out the the regional theater route. It wasn't ever going to be that. And now there's there's talk about uh, London and doing it panto style. And I mean, I'm ready. <laughs> Whenever they want to wow. move, I'm ready for that. Yeah. But I would love um, if that came to fruition because I like watching the film. It seems ready for stage. It does. It does. Um, everything but you know, one. I, you know what Broadway musicals cost now, especially with effects. You know, it's a. And I think you know not to get into the the nuts and bolts of show business, but when you have something that's not going to be open ended, like Phantom of the Opera, so you know it's going to be a holiday show no matter what um that's that 
that's kind of like the long game of profit making rather than, you know, we open, we're a hit and we run for three years and everybody recoups in two. It's, it, it doesn't fit in that, that model of a Broadway show. So it's, it's a little tricky navigating through it. And, um, you know, I'm glad the movie's now out on DVD. <laughs> you know, I'm glad people like, like you are, um, are interested and keep watching it. So it really would be, you know, tinsel on the tree if it, if it ever turned into a stage musical, but I'd love it. This doesn't feel like a Hallmark CBS production. It feels very <laughs> Disney. It feels very well, very polished and very original, which um, a topic on our podcast a lot has been how uh, um, formulaic Hallmark Christmas movies have become. Um, yeah, yeah. And yet, yet yours is just, I mean, it's, it's, a whole new story. It's, it's something we haven't seen before. It's something that's not really been uh, expounded upon. So where did you have any specific inspiration you pulled for this film? You know, it's more Jerry Herman vehicles when I think of it, because, you know, there was nothing, even if I'd wanted to be inspired by Disney, you think, well, where is there a kind of older woman role in a Disney animation? You know, I mean, there's, supporting or you know third from the top maybe in in coco but the idea of the disney movie being about that mexican grandmother is sort of unthinkable it was more jerry and his you know and jerry's girls that were inspiring and i think that's where i thought oh well you know here's a little hello dolly matchmaking she's doing and here's a little anti-mame vim and verve um but the political stuff was was I think pretty much out of my head and 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 out of my Sesame Street training. So it was I think more than I think the um the ethnic diversity of, of Avenue A. Uh, you know, I think some of the inspiration for that was uh my my father came from that background and my mother kinda her mother also her father they were they were lower east side people nora's father was a was a trolley car conductor and and so was my grandfather um when they were doing the costumes i i gave him a photo of my grandfather in his trolley car costume uh costume uniform <laughs> which would become a costume and uh and i remember the day they shot that and i have to tell you, my 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 grandfather died before i ever knew him and when they were shooting it, I was I was there watching them shoot, and the the door at the top of the stoop opened, and they had built the costume exactly like the photo, exactly button for button, and you know, that's my grandfather that I never knew, and he's coming down the steps, and it was uh, a pretty powerful experience. I don't I don't know what writers get to have that, but um, that was kind of a. a unexpected sock in the eye wow how cool is that extremely come to life (laughs) a 10 i would say on the cool scale well we've got one question left for you it's from one of our our users on reddit disco 54 he says uh, there are new christmas films every year if you were going to sit down and write one now how would you approach it to make it original and appealing to today's audience Oh, you know, I, it would still be the, um, the progressive message. And, uh, 
and now I think it would it would probably be more getting gender politics in it and and it like I said setting it in the past if it's a musical is a good idea if it wasn't a musical that had to kind of be permanent I think I'd want to do something that was completely here and now educational with a very small e mm-hmm. sort of way so that I mean that would sort of reflect where I am and who I am right now. And that, that's, that's what I, uh, and if it's, if it's outdated, it would be more the idea, like, uh, let's hope this is outdated. <laughs> you know, let's hope these issues aren't issues in five years. It sounds like you should be sitting down to write a new Christmas movie for us all. <laughs> uh, you, you know, it's, uh, there's a couple in the pipeline. It's just it's the writer's life, the next thing up. Uh, I know now at my age, I'll never get to all the ideas that are in the file that have been, you know, accumulating since college, but um, there are Christmas movies in there. Yes. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. I I will just tell you, um, Julie and I had never seen this, this movie and not to give away too much of the episode, but we were both fans. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, after all these years, it's so nice to hear that uh, that it's still being enjoyed and uh, warms my heart. I grew up on it. I watched it when it first uh, premiered in 96, and mm. watched it pretty much every year since then. I love it. It was one of those movies that surprised me because not very often do I have the reaction I, I had with this one, that I'm smiling like a like an idiot like the entire movie and as soon as it was done i'm like who can i show this to i i adore it i love it so much oh you're so sweet thank you thank you it's a good one for mom (laughs) we're gonna be um pushing our listeners to to do a write-in campaign to hallmark to get it played a little more often in the rotation oh Um, that's great so we'll see we'll see if we we'll see if our, our 12 followers um (laughs) <laughs> great, great. One more, one more candy cane in my stocking every year. They play it more. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> one nerd, one nerd. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us. Have a good one, all of you. Have a great Thanks, night. You thank too. you again. That was a great interview, guys. What a cool guy. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, so let's go from that high to the next high, which is my favorite part. What are our histories with this movie? So, Anthony. What's your history with this movie since you've seen it longer than we have? I think I'm the only one of the three of us who has a long history with this movie. Mm-hmm. I saw it when it first premiered on television in 1996. I remember, I don't remember seeing any like commercials for it on TV or anything, but I remember my mother must have because she was really excited about this movie. And she made it like a movie night with me and her and my sister. And we sat down to watch it. I was in love with it right away. And ever it's, I just found it magical. And I found Angela Lansbury perfect as Mrs. Claus. And ever since then, it's been part of my Christmas canon. And uh, yeah, I love this film. I think it's extremely underrated, which is why I recommended it this evening. So yeah, how about you, Tom? I watched it tonight. I finished 15 minutes before the recording of the interview with Mark and I watched it by myself. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the long history with this movie. My, yeah, my history is not that different. It's just a little bit, tiny bit longer. Um, I saw it over the weekend, did the whole 
free trial on Amazon so that I could access it with the Hallmark movies. And part of me was like, this was a Hallmark movie. And the other part of me was, I love this movie so much. So I'm like super happy that you put it on the list, Anthony, because I ended up really loving this movie. Just for the listeners who wanted to know a few episodes back why I'm so harsh on Hallmark movies, this is it, okay? This is like a purely original Hallmark movie that tried something different, and I appreciate that about it. And that's why every Hallmark movie since then I've judged a lot harder. I I can, yeah, I understand that reasoning much better after this. Much better. Because this movie does not read like a Hallmark movie. Um, If you've seen the modern day Hallmark movies. So, yeah. Um, you know, we've been talking about Hallmark movies being so formulaic. Um, well, we, Anthony, um, has really been banging that gong. Um, and he's absolutely, I mean, he's absolutely right. But uh, if you guys aren't following us on social, you didn't see it. You should be. So go to our social media. And uh, we posted a picture of, what, about six or eight different Hallmark movie covers. And they all look the exact same, but they're completely different movies. Um, so I think it, it speaks to the the how formulaic they've become. And and as you said, um, and I think we we discussed it during the interview. This movie is completely original. It's it's a whole new concept, whole new idea. We're following a part of the Christmas lore that usually goes unnoticed, which the film itself comments on, but. Um, it is unique. It is original. And that's something we're not seeing from a lot of Christmas movies. Even, you know, we're talking uh, last week we saw it, we, we started hitting into that remake. Uh, next year, we're going to hit into the sequels. Um, originality is really becoming more and more difficult. And, and that's not just for Christmas movies either. It's just across the gamut for films and television in general. It is. Let's make another superhero movie and uh, we're good to go. Let's show Bat- how Batman's parents died again. Uh, so, overall plot of this movie, let's run down some of the um, credits we have attributed to this movie because it's got to have something to do with the success of it, guys. It's not just that it's unique and original. It's unique and original because of these people. So, it was released in 1996, and uh, the director of the movie was Terry Hughes, and he's known for the Golden Girls. Um, he did some third rock from the sun stuff. Um, I wasn't super familiar with him, but I mean, he's, his credits just go on and on and on and on. So I mean, you, do, say, do, you say golden girls and I think that's enough to get most it people really on board. Is. Yeah, I should have just, well, do they, he do also they did. picked him because he knew he was familiar working with leads who were older. Like that's not, mm-hmm. I don't mean that to be a joke. I just mean like he made a successful show starring an old older actresses and like art we mark saltzman said in the interview like you don't get a lot of roles for people for women especially that age so it's true if they picked him purely because of that credit uh he also bucked that trend though when he directed some friends episodes we also have the writer who we spoke with Mark Saltzman. We got into his credits while we were talking to him. Um, I mean, gosh, Sesame Street alone, you've got me there. The guy's a master, Sesame Street. We can Milo stop. and Otis? <laughs> the English yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So if you haven't seen this movie yet, let's preface this a little bit by saying it is a musical. So um, 
we can't not mention who did the music and by all means we have to. Um, Jerry Herman did the music for this movie and um, he is probably most famously known for Hello Dolly. Um, kind of royalty when it comes to um, musicals and music composition and, and everything that goes with that. I always think that people can, that can do that are extremely highly talented, like more than your average bear, because to do it right, you got to be really good at it. And this movie did it for me. This movie got it. This movie got it right. 100%. So I didn't do um, research on this movie at all prior to watching it. Um, and there were a few times, few dance numbers in it, uh, particularly Avenue A when they were dancing in the streets that I was like, man, this looks like Hello, Dolly. And it just struck me. And so it was so funny later when I did the research, I was like, that's why it looked like Hello, Dolly. (laughs) There it is right there. So also to note about this, um, it was choreographed by Rob Marshall. um, And this was his first, really his first big thing. He did Victor and Victoria in 1996 as well. But I mean, in 1995, but, um, I had not, I didn't recognize his name immediately when Mark mentioned him in the interview. Um, so I pulled him up and this guy's got some serious clout, like Chicago. Um, in 2002, he won the Academy Award for, he was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Director. Um, he directed Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. He was director, producer, musical stager for Into the Woods in 2014. He's got a hand in Mary Poppins Returns. Yes, please. So, I mean, again, I, I, I have to keep reminding myself this was a Hallmark movie. And I know it was Hallmark paired up with CBS, but still, it has Hallmark attached to it. Well, aside from the amazing um, kind of behind-the-scenes staff, let's talk about the characters in the movie. Um, headlining as Mrs. Santa Claus, a.k.a. Mrs. North, when she lands in the real world. Um, Angela Lansbury. Hashtag, that's my Mrs. Claus. Oh, that's like the most accurate hashtag we've ever used, I think. She's perfect as Mrs. Claus. She's everything I want in a Mrs. Claus. Seriously, since seeing this movie the first time, she is who I envision as Mrs. Claus when I think of Mrs. Claus. She really is. She had the childlike wonder. She was great with children. She was compassionate. Uh, She was loving. Uh, She was just perfect yeah yeah she was totally perfect for me too and my first love for angela lansbury was bedknobs and broomsticks a disney movie which was also a musical she sang in it and i remember being so surprised that she had a good singing voice probably because i was a kid and i'm like i can't believe she has a good singing voice (laughs) this just brought it all back i'm like oh i remember how much i love her in in a role like this I also really enjoyed her youthful, vibrant energy when she's with the kids. Like, she's an older woman, clearly. She says in the film, she's centuries old. Mm -hmm. I mean, she has a whole number dedicated to how she feels young despite that. And, oh, she's perfect. I can't put her enough. Yeah. I love how they just straight up addressed it with that number. Yeah. Oh, I love, yeah, I love her. I have no negatives at all to say about her. What about you, Tom? Um, Uh, She was great. (laughs) <laughs> the Angela Lansbury, what do you expect? I mean, she's she's an amazing actor, and she's, she is, she's a legend. She is the greatest Mrs. in film ever. Mrs. Santa Claus, Mrs. Lovett, Mrs. Pops. 
She's awesome. Oh, that's Mame. Great. Oh, we didn't know that. Mm-hmm. That's where she actually sang for the first time ever. Uh, we did a little Christmas, which is funny because that's what the elves sang to Santa in this film. When he was depressed, they came in with, uh-huh. the, with the package. They sang the same song. She, she sang originally. She was the first person to ever sing that song. And it was a name. How funny. Well, speaking of Santa, we also have Santa himself played by Charles Durning. Uh, he, he was okay. <laughs> he was a very somber Santa. He was very somber. He, he was an overworked Santa, and I think they needed to make him a little like that to explain why Mrs. Claus is feeling a little underappreciated. Yeah. I, I thought he looked like Santa. I loved the romantic moments between him and Mrs. Claus. Like at the beginning, when they're looking at the North Star, she comes over to him and says, you know, when it safely guides you home to me, and he takes her hand and they put their heads against one another. Yeah. And the last scene when they're in the sleigh. I like I liked him. He's not who I think of immediately when I think of Santa, but I mean, whenever I put this film on, I mean he looks like Santa. He's just not as jovial as I usually picture Santa. Yeah. His singing voice left a lot for me to be desired a little bit. Like I feel like that lack of energy that he had the whole time reflected in his singing voice, but that's me just trying to nitpick it honestly. And I think it's hard to I mean, when he's next to her in a scene, you're not looking at him, (laughs) you know, so. This um, wasn't his first time as Santa either. What was he in first as Santa? Uh, His first thing was a TV movie called It Nearly Wasn't Santa. Uh, He was also Santa in Elmo Saves Christmas and A Boyfriend for Christmas, another uh, TV Christmas movie. And in the 2015 movie Bleeding Hearts, he played Santa. Well, I mean, the guy in general, Charles Durning, is a prolific actor as well. He'll always be Francis Griffin to me from... Oh, and he played Chris Kringle in Three Chrises. But he'll always be Francis Griffin in Family Guy to me. Um, I always think of... When I think of him, I think of the priest, the family priest on Everybody Loves Raymond, who they always went to with their problems. That was him. Oh, yeah. But did you, do you know why most of his scenes in this movie were sitting down? Why? He was so heavy at the time, he couldn't gracefully move around the set, which was not built for his size, so he had to be sitting a lot of the time. So that's why, apart from that one scene, I think, where he's standing up uh, singing to her portrait, he is sitting down the rest of the movie. Oh, see. Lethargic Santa. (laughs) Yeah. Eat, Papa, eat! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, can we just say Mrs. Claus is a lot nicer than that Mrs. Claus? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's nicer than every Mrs. Claus, even the awesome ones. Um, so you also have another part I really love about the movie is Avenue A. So that's the area where um, Mrs. North, a.k.a. Mrs. Santa Claus, lands when her sleigh goes down, when the sleigh goes down. Um, every single one of these characters just – makes me happy because they seem very authentic they seem very real even i mean it is a musical so they're definitely kicked up a notch on on exaggerated a bit but not in a way that turns me off at all so you have nora kilkenny you have officer doyle um marcello yeah marcello yep who i love he's a very sweet character um none of these people i think are super well-known names aside from maybe brian murray but maybe not he looks do you you know who i know the girl who plays nora from did either of you 
in the 90s. I did. Grounded for life. Grounded for life. Early 2000s. She was a teenage rebellious daughter. Interesting. That was a really funny show. I love that show. (laughs) But but in this movie, um, I thought she was really great as well. I mean, except the accent came in and out, the Irish accent. But yeah. But I, 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 I can forgive that, though, if, you know, at, she's here in a new country, it, it's fading, coming and going. I mean, I can, I can see excuses for that. I, I totally can, too. And I like the purpose the characters of Avenue A show, uh, serve, like, it, you know, Mrs. Claus just fit right in because all of these people were outsiders in New York as well. They're not from there. And I thought they did a really good job, uh, you know building up that aspect of the film for sure yeah they really did yeah they really did a great job with that um they also have some of the best dance numbers in the movie as well i mean the kind of that that mass crowd of everybody in the streets dancing in unison makes me happy (laughs) they did it really well and angela lansbury's acting during that scene because she's not really dancing during that scene she's on the sidelines with marcello but her eyes are like wide and her mouth open she's kind of swaying to the music because she's never seen anything like this before Mm -hmm. she I, i can't say enough good things about her i really can't yeah so Two last characters I've mentioned. Um, Arvo is played by Michael Jeter, who I'm not going to lie, every time I see his name, I think Derek Jeter. And I'm like, Derek Jeter was in a movie that long time ago? That's um, his dad. <laughs> <laughs> he was sort of like the head elf, right? Or at least he was the elf that seemed to be closest to Mrs. Claus. He, um, who could so, never make the right hot chocolate. Yeah, no. kept botching the hot chocolate. But that's another—that's an aspect I liked of it too. That only Mrs. Claus could make the perfect hot chocolate for Santa. I liked that. Yeah, I liked that too. And I thought he—he was—he was funny. Like his relationship with both of them. I liked when mm-hmm. Mrs. Claus was going to leave the North Pole. He was worried. Like when he was hitching up the reindeer, he was like, mm-hmm. "Please, guys, look after her." Like he knew Santa wouldn't be happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So last one to note, because he's our villain in the story, is Augustus P. Tavish is the character, played by Terrence Mann. And every time I hear Terrence Mann, I think of Field of Dreams. Does anyone else think of <laughs> He reminded me so much of Professor Hinkle, the villain from Frosty the Snowman. Oh, really? He really did. Just in looks and how his, this, his arc resolves itself in the film. I hadn't thought about it, but you're 100% right. He even had that, that, that sinister magician look throughout the whole yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. totally. Um, I, every time I saw him, I thought about Tim Curry. Yes, definitely I'm Tim like, Curry. Wow, though. you remind me a lot of Tim he Curry. looked a lot like Tim Curry. <laughs> a lot. Especially even his musical mannerisms. Yeah. yeah. Very Tim Curry-y. Okay, well, that takes us really well into the music and dancing is a very large part of this movie i'm so thankful for because i love myself a musical so the high of the film was the opening num- second number mrs santa claus itself when she's singing Definitely. I, oh, I just love that song the lyrics I've had that perfect. in my head all week all week so we've got um so the songs in the movie we've got praise mrs santa claus which is the very beginning i also loved this might actually work hand in hand with us and our favorite scenes um i loved how she motivated them to get their work done early so that they could go home and be with their families You're yes please 
<laughs> you're even. You're gonna have a whole Christmas at home or a Christmas oh, Eve at home. I loved I love the, that. I loved the fake out the film tries to pull off when they're praising the anonymous boss, and it turns out to be Mrs. Claus instead of Santa Claus. Yeah, where you see hints of her sleeve and her gloves and yeah. stuff, and you know exactly who it is. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was um, that was really cool. Um, I, I think you know if you didn't know the movie, if you were a kid, you would have expected that to be Santa. Yeah, totally. Um, but while we're up at the North Pole, I actually liked the architecture of the North Pole. If you pay attention to how it looks, in the, it was very warm, but just like all the shapes and the arches, I thought it looked really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I liked that setting a lot. Um, the, you know, the special effects are a little, that's where it felt a little hallmarky to me. Some of the special, and a little 1996 for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but not in a way that it, it, it turned me off at all. I mean, nothing would have made me turn this movie off once I got going and <laughs> saw her. So it was great. Um, yeah, the second number is Mrs. Santa Claus. I've had it in my head all week. It's fantastic, performed by Angela Lansbury herself. Um, just her expressing that sentiment of, I want the world to know there's a Mrs. Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. I like the, um, the lyric, uh, I have gifts of my own to offer the world, which makes it surprise in the suffragette march later on. We have gifts of our own to offer the world. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I liked it. Very cool. There's a big musical number, which is the dancing in the streets moment. Avenue A, also extremely catchy, and it's one of those building songs where it starts off small and characters keep building together to culminate in the big dance in the street moment. I can confirm if you go to downtown Manhattan during rush hour, that's exactly what it's like. (gasps) People dance in the street? (laughs) I gotta get myself there. Um, Tavish Toy is where we meet... Mr. Tavish, and he's a real piece of work at this toy company. Child labor all over the place. He's a terrible human being. And um, that was me thinking about Tim Curry the entire time that song was going on. <laughs> like, all I could see is Tim Curry. Um, I, l- I liked that it um, was a dark darker twist of the first song in the film when the elves are building their toys mm-hmm. it kind of reminded me of the movie we're covering next week santa claus is coming to town when mm-hmm. the elves have the song about being toy makers to the king and the burgomeister has the darker version of that song about destroying all the toys mm-hmm. another favorite of mine is that almost young song this is when we sort of referenced mm-hmm. where the kids are like, you're old. And she takes the entire song to address the fact that, yeah, you know, she is, but nothing's stopping her. And the cute little comment she makes about a chicken. Do you know how old Angela Lansbury was during this movie? How old? Because I look this up because she's still alive today and she still looks pretty good. Yeah. But I mean, you could tell watching this, she was yeah. still old. Uh, she was 71. Wow. Which obviously... It's, I mean, it's not that old, but I mean, it's old enough. I, like, I, mean, I was impressed by her skipping around and sliding down and yeah. all the moves she was doing. Like, very impressive. I'm convinced that age is a state of mind because she doesn't at all no. act isn't like that, that. Isn't that a lyric? You're only as, it like, was it? Not, not that specific. What was it? Um, I forget what it was. There was definitely a lyric in there about how it's all – She. I forget what the prior lyric was, she, but then she started with, I'm only 17. It was something about the state of mind. 
Oh, yep. I mean, that would fit. I love that song too. So I'm sure it's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Time for a Vote is one of the, another, it was a little dancey in the street. The Suffragette March. Yep. When they were all banding together there to, to do the Suffragette March. I loved that. I love that scene. I did too. And I I loved that Marcello was like the only guy who like joined the march. I really thought that was cute too. So I love I loved Angela Lansbury's hat. Oh yeah. Suffragette. (laughs) But the hat with the feather. Yeah, it totally was. Yeah. But her whole wardrobe in general, since he brought up the wardrobe awesome like her mrs claus outfits when she's mrs claus both at the beginning and the end oh especially the end yeah yeah Yeah. the Um, attention to detail on the costuming is really remarkable particularly with hers like you can see the stitching the whip stitches on her sleeves and her mm -hmm. her tights and her super cute red boots i mean oh gosh they just nailed it and the suffragette march she there's a moment when she breaks away from the group and this is kind of a running gag every time she sees a street santa she goes to like wrap a scarf around him or a dress like the boots aren't quite right dear like she just can't help taking care of santa claus oh i love that um so we also have the musical number we don't go together i don't remember this one it's uh marcello and what's uh suffragette's name nora no nora's a little girl nora's a little girl Oh God, Sadie, Sadie, Marcello and Sadie—they're uh, singing why they. He wants to invite her to the policeman's ball, and she's saying, "Right, yeah." And they kiss at the end. And they kiss at the end with Mrs. Claus watching from above. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a whistle. That was cute. Yeah. Watching Nora and Mrs. Claus—that's the one I was talking about earlier. Whistle where they were uh, they in a. Uh, trying on all the clothes outside of the, the theater after they get kicked out. The, the, I really like this song. It's very cute, but I feel like I have all the songs. This is probably the one that could have been lifted out and with the least amount of impact on the overall film. But I'm not saying it should have been. I really liked it. I thought it was a great number, but I'm just saying it was probably the most uh, expendable of the songs. Everyone's looking for expendable things. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm happy not expending things. <laughs> From this film, I think it did. I don't think anything needed to go. I don't either. No, I'm 100 with you there. That's it's, just the the positive New Yorker coming out. You know, I there's something about a film set in New York in the uh, early turn of the century that I love. I love looking at seeing New York during that time. It is a great location for that time. And just a great uh, culture with all the different cultures mashing up like that together. Mm-hmm. Um, only a few other musical numbers left. So Dear Mrs. Santa Claus, which is what Charles Durning sings, which left me wanting a little bit just in the vocal range of, of Charles Durning. But I, the song is great because it's him missing her and, mm-hmm. and, and realizing, you know, what he had not valued before that, that she's needed you know she he can't do it without her and then her returning that with the musical number he needs me which is her getting back to him and then i love how they wrap it up with the best christmas of all um oh i love that scene so much i did too yeah it's just and i I thought it was very cute before they took off 
in that scene when they were saying the reindeer's name. She forgets the name of the one that actually oh, got yeah. injured that stranded. Comet. Her. Cupid. Cupid. Or, yeah, Cupid, Cupid. <laughs> <laughs> her with, um, so when she lands at Avenue A and she's making sure all the boys are okay. I have that. I have that quote down because I thought it was so cute. Can I just, since you brought it up, can I read it real quick? Yeah, please do. I I mean, I know I don't have her cute little voice, but she was like, well, my goodness, are you all right, sweetheart? Spit unexpected, wasn't it? You're all right. Everything's going to be fine. That's good, boys. Prancer, you're a very good boy. Oh, what is it, darling? Oh, Cupid. Well, we're safe and sound, aren't we? Oh, you've hurt your poor leg. Like, <laughs> I loved how she treated the reindeer. She was so <laughs> cute with them. She was. She, uh, she's so warm, and mm-hmm. she's exactly who I want to be Mrs. Claus. I mean, if I had to flesh her out, it would be exactly like this. Me too. Mm-hmm. She's motherly, and she's loving, and she's open-armed to everybody, and girls that style. Literally everyone, even Tavish. Yeah, absolutely. She sees everybody's heart. I, oh, I love her. It's just the perfect depiction of Mrs. Claus. And I also appreciate these Christmas movies where Santa and Mrs. Claus treat a, well, usually it's Santa because we haven't really gotten a lot of live action Mrs. Clauses, but um, where they treat the reindeer like they're family pets rather than just a mode right. of transportation. Right. I, really, yeah. I like that aspect. Yeah. I do too. So since you mentioned favorite quotes and scene already, let's let's hit some of those. For me, it's more scenes. Than me too. Quotes. Me too. So what about you, Tom? Um, my favorite scene is still, um, I loved when, when Mrs. Claus is dancing with Nora uh, and they're playing dress up with the clothes and just seeing Nora get to be a kid. Um, you know, they, they, she's this child who's missing her mom, who's, in trouble all the time and forced to be a, a child laborer. It's just great to see her get to have fun and be a, and, and find her youth. I love her relationship with Nora in general. Like mm-hmm. when she first really speaks to Nora, when um, the Jewish lady she's renting a room from is looking for the three eggs and Nora comes running out, not noticing Mrs. Claus standing in the corner and is about to throw the eggs out the window. And she's, like, instead of getting mad or, like, scolding her or anything, she's like, why, hello there, you found the eggs Mrs. So-and-so was looking for. Like, just kills her with kindness, like, to kind of uh, get around to her that way. I love their relationship. Mm-hmm. That same, um, the woman she's renting this space from, um, I really, what's her name? I was just looking that up. Uh, Mrs. Lowenstein. Lowenstein? Yeah. It is, Lowen- Miss Lowenstein. Mrs. Mm-hmm. Lowenstein. She was, I really liked, I can't remember the quote for quote and it's not on IMDb, but it's where Mrs. Claus is like, you don't celebrate Christmas. And she's like, no, but I am um, enjoying it more than I should, but yeah. I'm enjoying it more than I should. I had that one down too. I that was that, funny. That's so sweet. I love that part. Um, her character in general, I'm a big fan of. I really, Mrs. Lowenstein. Yeah. She was. And how Mrs. Claus didn't have money or a job, but she's like, kind lady like you, you'll pay me back or whatever she yeah. said. Oh, I love that. And I really like, speaking of the Avenue A people, how they all got their, what they've been longing for at the very end. So mm-hmm. Mrs. Lowenstein feels comfortable enough to unpack her suitcase. She's not afraid of, I guess, being deported anymore. 
and uh, Nora's Or Sadie, Sadie getting arrested and, and run out of town by the police. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Sadie and uh, Marcello end up together, and then Nora's mother comes home. Mm-hmm. That's very sweet. Yeah, I really liked Marcello. Mm-hmm. I, he was he was very sweet. I liked his uh, <laughs> when Mrs. Claus, Mrs. North, first crashes there, and she's like, "Oh, do you have room for a few more?" And the reindeer just keep coming to the stable one by one. He's like, "Please, no more, please." <laughs> <laughs> They can double up. It's okay. <laughs> and then he's just kind of like, okay, well, let's get him some food. <laughs> I don't think there's any, there's, I don't think there's telling. I don't think you can tell Mrs. North to no. know. She has no, that face. No. You know what I mean? It's like, there's no telling her no. <laughs> oh, I love her. I do. I really do. I know. I do too. So I really I liked the decision in this film to cut from when Santa Claus finds out she's gone for the first time. She's, he says something to Arvo. She must be scared to death. And then it immediately cuts to her walking through town, whistling, saying hi to everyone, <laughs> buying food for the reindeer, like perfectly <laughs> fine on her own. <laughs> oh, I love it. At the I'm not going to lie at the end a little bit when it was time for her to go back. When she found out, you know, when she saw the star twinkling and realized it was time, I was kind of like, oh, can you yeah. stay a little longer? Just a little. <laughs> Her goodbye scene with Nora was really sweet. Was. I like how quickly she, she didn't promise Nora she'd see her again, but she said, oh, I sure hope so. I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of quick, it made me laugh, but I was also kind of glad that they didn't stretch it out. Um uh, Tavish's change from villain to reformed <laughs> yeah. happens in less than what two minutes where he goes from pure villain to oh <laughs> let me guys it was it was the bear they they did what? plant one seed of that earlier on in the film like she did say the first time he stormed out of the factory she did say Augie Tavish Augie. like she remembered him mm-hmm. yeah so I expected it and and it, it did make me chuckle a little bit though, but I'm like, no, I mean, that's, I don't want, that's not where I want the focus either. You know, I didn't want this to be a villain story at all. I wanted right. it to be a discovery story. So, yeah. And she gets, she gets in there without D de, without derailing. It's, it's just a little side thing she does. Um, mm-hmm. And it's all out of her love of Christmas and kids, you know, her commitment to how great, uh, how the great, the great quality that they have to make at the North pole. When she's when she's cuddling on the the bear in the North Pole, and then I loved that she had the bear on hand, or somehow magically made it appear for him. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, too. me too. Um, another part that made me laugh was at the beginning when she decides she has to land because of the storm, and they come flying around the Statue of Liberty, and she's like, "I thought we were over Stockholm." <laughs> 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 but uh, do you have any other scenes or quotes, Anthony? No, I think I'm, I mean, I could literally just rattle off every scene, but I just yeah, love that's this exactly movie. What I would do. <laughs> My favorite scene, I love it at the end when she gets her coat, her new uh, cloak and muff. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And she gets to go with him for once on Christmas Eve because this film, it makes me really sad to think about. 
that at the beginning, like another Christmas Eve alone, Mrs. Claus, oh, after the first hundred or so, you get used to it. And just applying that to like every media, every movie or TV show where Santa's actually married, just thinking Mrs. Claus spends every Christmas Eve alone without her family, like her husband there, it's really sad to think about. Yep. That is sad to think about. But after this one, I'm like, I hope she's always in the sleigh. Like, I always want her to be up there. Can that be how it is forever now? Oh, and the other part that made me like, oh, was when she was, uh, Santa keeps getting the mail dumped on his desk and he's like, do you think there's a letter in there for me? And Santa and Arvo just kind of look at her and she's like, I guess not. (laughs) This was the film, though, that made me start in my Santa letters asking about Mrs. Claus. Oh, I love that. You just need to address it to her next time. Uh, maybe next year. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I also love that she embroidered the route that she wanted him to take. That was How pretty cute. cute. It was totally Mrs. Claus way to do that. So one of my very, very minor complaints about this film, and he mm-hmm. kind of addressed, um, Mark Saltzman kind of addressed it in the interview was just the logistics of shooting it in LA, I guess, made it so they couldn't make New York snowy, like I guess it was in the original script. So I feel like if it had been a little more snowy, it would have looked a little more Christmassy when she was in New York. So I'm glad he actually addressed that without any prompting. But yeah, I can forgive it after hearing that explanation. <laughs> yeah. Any other dislikes? I'm curious. The the antlers on the deer, reindeer should not have still had their velvet. Oh, really? Nope. The velvet falls they... off. The velvet falls off before uh, December. Oh wow. <gasps> Does it really? Mm-hmm. And their ears. Know. Some for some reindeer, uh, their antlers actually fall off before Christmas too. Oh, that's sad. Uh, Rudolph taught me he gets his re- antlers right before Christmas. Mm. Uh, what about you, Julia? Do you have any dislikes? I have zero dislikes because even the whole, you know, that doesn't look real when she's flying in the sleigh, you know, and the obviously they've got the steam machine going to make it look like clouds are flying by her. Um, I don't even care. I don't. I don't even care. It doesn't take anything away. It, it is what it is. And I actually found the sleigh scenes and they're flying really charming in how fake it looked. I really did. Did you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I did too. I guess my... Like I, when the sleigh is tilting and she's like over like enunciating with yeah. the reins. Like I was like, that's adorable. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, I guess my one dislike is, is Charles Durning singing. That's my one. And it's minor. Mm-hmm. I love this movie. I really love this movie. Me too. So, so do you uh, think it will become part of your Christmas canon? Oh, it's definitely part of my Christmas canon. I'm adding it. Like I've, yeah, I've got people that need to see it, whether or not it falls before Christmas or not. At this point, you know what I mean. Did you okay. show with? Did you show it to your kids yet? Would your kids not like yet. it? My or my daughter would like it. Mm-hmm. And maybe my six-year-old. Ethan's not so much on musicals, which is how Marty is too. They just don't like musicals. But. Well, DVD is literally $5. In, so I know this is hard to track down, unless you subscribe to Hallmark for a free trial I'm over here. so buying this one. This <laughs> which reminds me, listeners, thought. please write to Hallmark and ask them to add this to the rotation at Christmas. Yeah, why don't they? I don't know. 
It's, I mean, it um, usually plays once a year. It does play once a year, but it's usually at like two in the morning. That's so, yeah, everyone's so wrong. Up. Yep. I think if they, they showed this and gave people an option or, you know, you know, did some sort of poll, I think they'd find a lot more people are interested in it than they, than they are seeing another love story of somebody who mm-hmm. moves from a small town to a big town and hates somebody and then falls in love and... Well, the, the musical aspect is something I want to address. We touched on it briefly when talking to Mark Saltzman, but uh, I, watching it, I totally see it as a musical. Like on stage, I mean. It's like made for yeah. the stage. I think if the music is something that, that gets people, they could easily cut out the music, and I don't think it would. The story could still continue without it. Oh, to- Totally. But, I mean, I feel like the way this film was produced, like, you could easily transport it to the stage with the music. For sure. Yeah. I would see that. I would, too. Um, so let's – does this film pass the Linus test? Yes. Surprisingly, it's Santa who needed it. Uh, right? <laughs> that was shocking. It was shocking. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if this will be the only one we come to where Santa is the one that needs the Linus check. I well, watched a Christmas special. He did. He did. Um, I think Santa's was a lot more important. Santa's was much more important, but I'm just saying Tavish also passed it. He did. Yes. I was watching this uh, Storybots. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. It's a kid's show. And they have a Christmas episode. And it's a cartoon. But then they incorporate puppets interacting with the cartoon and ultimately live action interacting with the cartoon. And uh, Ed Adsner is the Santa, and uh, he leaves the North Pole and is very downtrodden. And instead of going to a bar, he is at a cookie maker, and he's eating all these cookies and milk and, and drowning his sorrows. Um, getting chip-faced. <laughs> getting chip-faced. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so can also I- miss congeniality. I can't claim it. Oh, <laughs> I love that movie too. I do too. Can I just say real quick for our listeners, because this is a very hard to track down movie. Um, where did you, do you want to just say real quick? I think you mentioned it earlier, but just again, in case they couldn't find it, in case they didn't hear yeah. it. So if you want to give this movie a chance without committing to it full out, which you'll want to after you watch it, I did the seven-day free trial on Amazon Prime to the Hallmark Now or Hallmark Go. I can't remember which one it is. Um, channel that's on Amazon Prime. Uh, got my seven-day free trial. It's there. It's one of the movies you can watch. And um, I plan on buying it now because, like Anthony said, you can buy it on DVD for five bucks. It's five bucks well spent if uh, you're in a territory where maybe you can't get that Hallmark trial. Like, uh, yep. I don't know what it's like in foreign countries, but right. I don't think they have it in yeah. Zimbabwe. That's great for our zero listeners in Zimbabwe. Um, <laughs> we, we actually yeah, had two. on Netflix. In Zimbabwe? No, I'm just trolling you. Oh, jerk. I was really excited for a second there. <laughs> like, seriously? It's amazing. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's not on Netflix. It's not on... I don't know about Hulu. I don't have Hulu. It's not on Hulu. Yeah. Nope. So not easy to find, but totally worth the hunt, I would say. Which takes us into final thoughts and ranking. Anthony. Final thoughts. Um, I, again, I grew up with this movie. I watch it every single year. I will continue to watch it every single year. 
I can't say enough good things about this film. I can't say, especially Angela Lansbury, she is just perfect. You, whatever notion you have of Mrs. Claus in your mind, uh, Angela Lansbury will become your Mrs. Claus after seeing this movie. She is everything Mrs. Claus is and should be. She embodies, again, the warmth, the youthfulness, the She's perfect. I can't, I'll just sit here gushing for two hours about Angela Lansbury as Mrs. Claus. But see this movie and then right into us praising Angela Lansbury so I can feel all warm inside that you guys agree with me. What about you guys? I really like this movie. Julia? (laughs) (laughs) I love this movie. I don't just like it. I love it. Um, from now on, there will never be another Mrs. Santa Claus that is not put up against Angela Lansbury. And I'm sure they're all going to fail because there's just no way to match it. Um, the music I loved, the dancing was great. I, I smiled the entire movie, like the entire one. And I was surprised by it. I could not have told you what was going to happen for most of the plot. Um, and I love it when movies surprise me. And this really surprised me. So I'm a huge fan, huge fan. That makes me so happy. It's so good. I love it. Um, so let's rank it. So Anthony, what's your ranking? 10. Oh, I love that. Tom, where do you rank this movie? I'm going to give it an 8.75. Ooh. How about you, Julia? I'm giving it a 9.25. Ooh. That, my friends, gives us... A rating of nine and a third, which has this tied at with Muppets Christmas Carol. Oh, I like that. Coming okay. in behind Elf, Santa Claus, and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, so it ties in at number four. I'm happy I with the tie. Yeah. I'm fine with the tie. <laughs> I'm happy with the tie too. That makes me happy. I like that. I was pleasantly surprised. I really wasn't yeah. expecting what what this movie had. Um, I thought uh, Anthony was. Uh, probably has a nostalgia factor that we wouldn't have, but that was not the case. It was, it's, it's just a good, it's a feel good, fun movie. And this is coming from a guy who hates the concept of Mrs. Claus. Speaking of nostalgia factor, that's a good segue into the results of our Twitter poll. Can you believe how close that was? So we asked, is the 2000 Ron Howard, Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, a timeless Christmas classic or an utter abomination? We got 46 people to participate in the poll and vote. So 29% of people thought it was an okay Christmas movie. 30% thought it was an utter abomination. And 41% thought it was a timeless classic. Wow, it really shot up today. I'm not surprised at all by how close it is because, I mean, Rotten Tomatoes, you look at it, it is just people seem to either really like it or really hate it that's what surprised me the most where people said it's an okay christmas movie i was surprised that was as high as it is because it seems like a pretty divisive movie Mm -hmm. well it it obviously is if we look at the if even if we look at uh the it's a good you know um a meh christmas movie um the other two that's pretty divisive that's that's split pretty close you know that's almost a third each uh, which is where it was Mm -hmm. for the last two days um Last time I checked today, before I was following the election. Yeah, last time I checked, they were literally just about all 33, 33, 33. Yeah. 
it's really cool. It's, I like the Twitter poll. It's, it's interesting to, to get feedback from all of our listeners and see what they think. Uh, my heart goes out to all of you listeners who think it's a timeless classic. Um, my heart does too, but for a completely different reason. <laughs> so I am going to break our, our, our flow because I have some exciting news. <gasps> what? We hit over 5,000 downloads today. <gasps> oh my god! That's Which, awesome. At the rate we're going, I would expect by the time this drops, closer to be to be closer to fifty five hundred. We're getting <gasps> quite a few new downloads every day, including days where a new episode is not dropping. And we have now been listened to on every continent except Antarctica. We've including uh, we've had downloads in Egypt and uh, uh, Libya, and we've had uh, throughout Asia. And Australia, South America, North America. It's pretty exciting. So if you guys want to help spread the word and help us get even more listens, please uh, rate and review us on iTunes because every rating and review helps. Uh, helps us appear farther up in the search and helps us spread the Christmas cheer 365 days per year. Besides that, please like all of our social media pages, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Join the discussion going on on our subreddit, which is r slash tis the podcast. And uh, visit our website. Uh, we really want to encourage people to visit our website. It's www.tisthepodcast.com. So, uh, yeah, of course, share us with all of your friends and family, especially if they like Christmas, but even if they hate Christmas too, just help us get the word out there. Well, we're talking about somebody in Antarctica. Yes. Anyone who can get us a listen in Antarctica will have as a guest on this show. (laughs) Uh, Also, while we are at it, if you know anybody at all in South Dakota or Wyoming or Vermont. Those are the only states where people have not listened to us yet. So call them and say, hey, listen to this podcast so that we don't have to feel sad about those three states every time we look at our numbers. We finally got, we have one in Idaho. We talked about not having any in Idaho before and we now have one in Idaho. We even have Alaska and uh, 16 people have listened in Hawaii. This, This is a good challenge for us. Let's see if we can get all 50 states by Christmas. We need your help, guys. Tell all your friends in Wyoming and South Dakota. Tom, why don't you tell everyone about that Patreon page? So good news, our stickers have shipped for our Patreon for our patrons who have uh, subscribed at the sticker level, which is five dollars. We're gonna have cool Tis the Podcast stickers that you will have before the end of the year. That's just one of our prize levels. We are working on uh, trying to grow the podcast and expand, provide you with better content, and get you some cool swag. So head over to patreon.com slash tis the podcast and uh, subscribe there. Just uh, anything you can do at all. We're up to, uh, we've got five Patreon patrons right now. Um, our goal is eventually to make uh, enough to get some better hardware, to increase our quality of the, of the audio recording. And uh, like I said, get some cool swag out to you guys. So uh, thank you very much to all of our Patreons. And again, please consider supporting us. So I'm really excited to announce next week's movie, which is dropping on Christmas Day, guys. It is the Rankin-Bass classic, 
Santa Claus is coming to town. And I'm really excited to see how um, we uh, review this film, given how Rudolph didn't turn out the way we expected it to. We said this earlier, but we'll go ahead and say it right now. There are only seven days until Christmas. So exciting. And if there's one thing I know, we need a little Christmas right this very minute. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Santa Claus, yes, I'm married to him. And for centuries I've been proper and prim. But I'm tired of folding the bedding and spreading the jam. And I feel I'm about to begin to find out who I am. My strategy and my flag is unfurled For I have gifts of my own to offer the world So I'm coming your way, keep an eye on my sleigh Because I want the world to know there's a Mrs. Santa Claus Coming your way, keep an eye on my sleigh because you'll have a merry Christmas. With-